I want you to turn to First Peter chapter one, and uh, praise God. So good to be here together today. You know, one of the things that um, ministers that we deal with is that we all want to improve. Just like whatever you work in, whatever your trade is, uh, there's something that is uh, appealing about innovation. There's there's something that's appealing about uh, things that are new, things that are current. And uh, so in preparing a message, I'll be honest with you, I want to have those elements. I want to be um, progressing. I want to be advancing I want to be in, I want to do the best that I could possibly do. And, and I think even as men, we have this desire, we, we find our fulfillment and we, we find our meaning in performance and succeeding. So I say all of this because I want to talk to you about the, the message I'm going to share with you today. Uh, the message today, in a way, doesn't feel like it has some of the characteristics that I would want. It doesn't have maybe some of the techniques that the innovation that I want to deal with yet. Yet, I believe the Lord wants to speak clearly to us and he wants to speak clearly to us about the subject of holiness. And that's maybe part of the problem is part of the problem of this is why we don't discuss holiness or talk about holiness or include it in our lives is that the very problem that I opened up with. Is sometimes we're we're more um, we desire more entertainment than we desire revelation, and we desire um, to enjoy an experience than to be transformed by a power. And so the things God wants to say often get lost in what man wants to accomplish. And I want today. I want us to simply look at some scriptures today. And I want us to allow God to speak to us. And God to purify our desires. And God to focus us in on what he wants us to focus in on. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, we learned last week it said, Prepare for action, get ready for battle. And then starting in verse 14, it says it this way. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Let's read that passage again, starting in verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he... Who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. One of the things that I've noticed in the last 15 to 20 years, and and I know you will too, is that as a society, as a culture, we've become very comfortable with the moral failings of our leaders. In fact, the scandalous things that happen whether it be for a politician or for a civic leader, and now even in the church world, the things that that are scandalous, the things that are looked down upon, now analysts believe that when a leader actually experiences those things, 
it often causes their approval rating or their acceptance to go up. It's the exact opposite of what you would think a society would, would expect of their leaders. When we see that our leaders have failed, and we see that not just a mistake, but a perpetual lifestyle of sin, often, I believe, we are more comfortable with that because it makes us feel better about who we are. And so we think, well, if that person struggles in this area, or if that person has a weakness in this area, or that person is committing this sin, then I guess my sin or my weakness or my shortcoming is not that bad. Just think about an effective leader they are. Just think about how many people they inspire. Just think how, remember, remember this word, anointed that leader is. It's okay. And what's happened is we've all lowered our standards. We've all lowered our expectations. We lower the expectations of our leaders because it lowers the expectations upon ourselves. And I just feel in my heart that God is wanting to catch our attention. And he's wanting to say, I want you to make a U-turn down this pathway. And I want to raise up a people who want me, who desire me, who do not, a people who doesn't overlook a lack of character just because someone is effective and talented and has charisma. But people who are looking for leaders who have God's heart, not leaders who never make a mistake or are, are, are totally perfect, but leaders who are living lives of character and lives of integrity and who are seeking to be holy before the Lord. Now, we need to talk a little bit about what it means to be holy because we have such a wrong definition of what holiness is. Many of us think holiness is just a set of rules. And we've attached holiness uh, to whether or not we um, abstain from this or abstain from that. A lot of man-made rules that aren't necessarily in the Bible. But once you really realize what holiness is, and holiness starts with God. Holiness doesn't start with rules. It doesn't start with an organization. It doesn't start with a mandate. Holiness starts with God because holiness is who he is. Holiness is his character. Holiness is his substance. Holiness is what God is all about. Holiness is not a certain type of church or a certain type of preacher or a certain list of rules. Holiness is God himself. That is who he is is at the core of who he is. In fact, you might want to write down this definition, because I'm just going to talk as simply as I can, because I want the scripture to be clear today. God's holiness means that he is completely separated from sin and evil. In its most basic term, that's what God's holiness is. He is completely separated from sin and evil. Now, God made us in his image, but we often make God in our image. And we project our feelings and our shortcomings and our personality on a God that we want, not a God who is. God says, I am who I am. 
You can try to redefine God. You can try to redescribe God. The scholars have tried to reorientate him and, and, and redefine him. But God said, this is who I am. I am who I said that I am, and God is completely holy. There's not sin, there's not error, there's not wickedness, there's not darkness. It has no place with him. He is totally separated from evil. So when we talk about you and I being holy, what does it mean for you and I to be holy? What does it mean for you and I to live in holiness? You may want to write this down. Look at this definition. Holiness for God's people means being totally devoted or dedicated to God. Set aside for his special use and set apart from sin and its influence. That's what it means for us to live in holiness. Mean totally devoted, read it with me, or not, not out loud, but are dedicated to God. Set aside for his special use and set apart from sin and its influence. Here's the problem. If I can be just really, really blunt with you about contemporary Christians, we want to be saved, but we don't want to be holy. We want to make it into heaven, but we don't want heaven to make it into us. We want our destiny to be with God for eternity, but we want these years, it's our life, it's our body, it's our house, it's our television, it's our decision, it's our choices, it's what we want. God, we want to be saved, but we don't want to be holy. Can I tell you, that's not the will of God for you. That's not the will of God for us. And that's why when we're talking about First Peter, First Peter, the, the title of this whole series is that we're chosen. And we're chosen for a purpose. And we're chosen to be set apart. And that's a great honor that God has given us. Here's the truth. We all know this. And, and I almost believe this, this point has been uh, beleaguered or just almost emphasized too much. We all know that on a regular basis, we live in a sinful world and we make mistakes and we trip up and we, we do sin. Unfortunately, that realization has caused many of us to live in defeat and live with an attitude of defeat and say, well, I'm going to sin anyway. I might as well choose my sins. Good. Everybody sins. We sin every day. So let me get my three or four out of the way, the ones that I want. Can I tell you, that is the wrong way to think. That is a deception from the enemy. That's a delusion. A delusion is a lie that we believe is the truth. And can I be honest with you? Some of you are delusional. You believe this lie that, you know what? God understands me. He made me. I can get away with this. I can choose this sin. I can go ahead and continue to have this habit in my life because God understands my heart. That's not his will. That's a delusion. That's a lie. So here's the truth. The truth is this. Sure, we all know that, that we, we have weaknesses in our life. We all know that, that there is a pool of sin. Sin is pulling at us as long as we live here on this fallen earth that the enemy has authority. But can I tell you this? You might trip up every once in a while, but this should be your goal. Your goal should be perfection. Your goal should be per- to be perfect before the Lord. 
to aim for perfection. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 30, uh, excuse me, there's not even 15 chapters in 2 Corinthians, but 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11, says it this way. It says, finally, brothers, goodbye. Now, look at those three words. Aim for perfection. Aim for perfection. That's God's will for our life. So many of us, we just want to be average. We want to see how much sin we can get by with. We want to see how accepted we can be in the world and still make it into heaven. Can I tell you, the enemy is totally deceiving us on that. And he's trying to keep us from aiming for perfection because it's those who are complacent and those who are lukewarm that have no effect on this world. That's why God said, I would wish that you would either be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be just average. And yet, because we don't aim for perfection, we never even get near that. And, and, and we never attain the holiness. Now, there's a couple type of holiness. We are positionally holy because of Jesus. In fact, really, we're righteous. There's nothing we can do to be righteous. And, and, and I talk about that often, especially since we take communion every week. We're righteous before the Lord only because of Jesus. There's nothing we can do. And that's what's so wonderful about his grace. That's the position we're at. Because of Jesus, we're positionally holy before God. We're righteous before God. It's as if we haven't sinned. But in our behavior and in our choices and in the way we live our lives, we choose either to be holy or to not be holy. That's our choice. Even though we might be positionally holy and righteous before the Lord, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we act, that's our choice. And the enemy wants to keep us ineffective. He wants to keep us average. He wants to keep us lukewarm. He wants to keep us flirting with sin. The enemy wants us to keep us right on the line, just as close to sin as we can be, and as far from God and his holiness as we can be. That's his plan for our lives, and that's what he wants. So you might be saved, and here's what happens. You get saved. And your destiny's in heaven. You're secure with Christ. You're on your way to a destiny with him. So Satan has lost the battle for your soul. So now he battles for your potential. Can I keep them lukewarm? Can I keep her average? Can I keep him worldly? Can I keep that person ineffective? Can I prevent the destiny of God coming forth within that believer? I've lost the battle for the soul. Now I'm going to attack their destiny and I'm going to attack God's purpose in their life. Can I tell you that we want to expose his schemes? God's raising up a people. God's raising up a holy people called out from among the world, sanctified for his purposes, set apart for the things of God. That's the type of people I want to be a part of. I don't want to be. I've told you this. I told you this when I then when we talked about being your pastor, I said, I don't want to lead an average church. Why would I want to do that? I want to lead a chosen people set apart, sanctified. God working within them. That's his call upon us and it will go well with us. And so we go back to the text because in verse 14, he says this. He says, as obedient children, as obedient children. I want you to write down this first observation about holiness is that is this children have expectations. Children have Family expectations. Why is it that we're called to be holy? Why is it that we're called to be set apart? 
We were isolated from God. We were his enemies. We were not worthy to be in his presence. And he said, now I have called you son. I have called you daughter. You're mine. You have my name. You have my mark. You have my resources. You have my authority. You are part of the family. You're, you're a brother or sister of Jesus Christ. You're in the family of God. You've been adopted and it's nothing you've done. It's nothing you have done. It's his grace. He has chosen you, said you're in my family and you're adopted. So now we're in the family. Some of us, we want to be in the family, but we don't want to follow the family rules. We want the name, but not the expectations. We want the privileges without the mutual rules and sacrifices that any family would have. And in this, in the Mediterranean world, that it was very clear what that phrase meant as obedient children, because children had very clear expectations. Children were expected to obey, but they were also expected to take on the personality and the characteristics of the father of the household. Here in our culture, we're very, very much more independently minded. Uh, we, you know, we're, everyone's going to. Be an individual and we're all going to get our own identity. And thanks, mom and dad, for the last 18 years. I'm out of here. In this culture, people expected children to obey and follow the character and personality of the family. So when the readers read this from Peter, they knew clearly what he was trying to say. He says, as obedient children, as obedient children, do not conform any longer to the evil desires that you had. Can I tell you this, is that you can be a child of God, but be a disobedient child. I don't know where your theology lands on this, because we all, I don't care what background you come from, whether you're Baptist or Nazarene or, or Assembly of God, whatever the case is, we all have a little line here of, of, of what, we, what we think of the security of the believer is, but here is the truth that we would all agree on. We would all agree that when Christ does a work in your life, when Christ does something in your life, that it will produce fruit. It will produce fruit. It will produce fruit in your life. The Bible is very clear about that, that Christ's work in you will eventually produce fruit in you. And as children of God, there is something that's supposed to characterize your life. And that is obedience. As obedient children, if you really recognize what God has done, that he's redeemed you from, from the ownership of Satan... He's taken you out of hell and given you citizenship in heaven. That he's placed you in his household and given you power and authority and privilege. And you have, have received all of this only because of him. It changes the way you live. And it does. And it just happens because of the realization of how great he is. I want you to journey with me through some scriptures here that makes this clear. John 8.31 says this. If you hold to my teachings, Jesus said this, you are really my disciples. John fourteen fifteen says this. Jesus said again, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Ephesians 2, 10 gives us our purpose for salvation. It says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. First John chapter five, verse two and three says it simply this way. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not 
burdensome. That is God's call upon us. The basic character of a believer is obedience. That's the basic Turn to Colossians chapter 3. The basic character of a believer is obedience. This isn't going to be on your screen, so I'm just going to invite you to turn there. The basic character of an unbeliever is disobedience. By their fruits, you will know them. By their fruit. See, I believe sometimes that our understanding of his grace, and, and if you've sat under my ministry, you know that, that I emphasize over and over the free gift of salvation. I'm not one of these that say, hey, come make a decision for Christ, and then you better follow these rules, or you're going to go to hell every time you mess up. If you've sat under my ministry, you know that's not what I'm saying, but I am saying this, that if you look at your life, And over the course of your life, if there hasn't been an upward path, if there's not progress, if there's never um, uh, an abandonment of sin and a clinging to Christ, then I'm going to challenge you and ask you, search your heart. Has Christ really changed you? Have you really put your knee to the cross? Have you really understand his plan of salvation? Because fruitless Christianity is not the will of God. Disobedience is not the characteristic of a believer. That is not what he's called us to do. He's called us to something higher. Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 5, it says, Put to death, therefore. Y'all hear that word? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You Now, verse 7. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Do you see? Do you hear that phrase? You used to live this way. The believer's life is characterized by obedience. The believer's life is characterized by a sinless life and a striving for those things. Now, verse 8. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Let me put a pause button here. That's what I said. Now, we're positionally holy because of what Jesus did. But we choose holiness. We have to put to death certain things in our life. Here they are. Anger, rage, malice, slander. Filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Let me just say this. that Boy, Christians lie all the time. All the time. Somehow, you know, that we have these lists of things that, uh, you know, we think are so bad. But lying, hey, we can lie whenever we want to. Uh, let's look at the book here. Verse 9, uh, verse 10, and uh, verse 9, do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old selfless practices. 10, and have, now here's the active part of being holy, and put on the new self. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of the image of its created, creator. We have to put to death the old and put on the new. You know, we're positionally holy, holy because of Christ. We're positionally righteous because of him. But we have to choose to pick up our cross daily and to follow him, to deny ourselves, to say this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to avoid sin. I'm going to walk righteous. I'm going to make good choices. I'm going to change habits. I'm going to create an atmosphere of godliness in my life. I'm going to surround myself with voices that, bring out the God flavors in me and bring out the good things of God, I'm going to be intentional. You know, sometimes we think that holiness is just going to kind of take us over. 
It doesn't just take us over. We walk down the path of holiness and we choose and we set our compass on God. And we say, God, this is the way you're going and it's the way I'm following. I am going your way. I'm following you. I am going to be holy and you've made me holy already. So now I am going to make the choice to be who you've already made me. Isn't that great perspective? Isn't that a great way to see what God has done? We're his children. We're his family. And we have family expectations. We have rules to follow. If you're going to carry his cross, then there's a certain path that God will show you. And can I be clear about that? Can I tell you that the pathway of holiness is a pathway that God's word will show you? God's word will show you. And can I tell you the most holy thing you can do is be a person full of his fruits and his love and his spirit being full of love and joy and peace and patience. I think that that ought to be a greater judge of spirituality than some of the things we use to judge what being spiritual. We ought to judge people with how loving and caring and kind and how peaceful they are instead of all this nonsense that we use to say you're out and you're in. Can I tell you that it's the what the scripture says is what makes us holy walking in his ways. Well, going back to verse 14, first Peter chapter one, it says as obedient children. How many want to be an obedient child? All right. We don't want to be disobedient child. We don't want to be God. Oh, there's my child, but they never do what I say. Some of you have had children like that. You've been children like that. I've got my daddy's name, but I'm not doing anything he said. That's not the type of person I want to be. So as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. This is a very important phrase. Don't conform to the evil desires you had. Now, in our culture, it is looked as something high and lofty if we follow what Feels good. In fact, you know the phrase, if it feels good, yeah. If it feels good, do it. If it feels right, do it. Follow whatever your desires are. Obey your thirst. Remember there was a, a soft drink that that was its, its phrase. That's so good. We're going to be independent. We're going to do what feels good. We're not going to be inhibited by all these rules and all these constrictions. And that's what our modern mind thinks. Now, and when this was written, when this book was written, it was written when Greek culture dominated the world. It dominated the whole Mediterranean world. And Greek culture looked at people who followed their desires as ignorant. It looked at as a person who just followed their desires as a sign of ignorance. To the Jew, Jewish mind who read, they looked at people who just followed their desires as those who, who uh, would uh, totally ignore the Torah and would totally ignore God's Ten Commandments. And so we, we get that all backwards. We're like, follow your desire, whatever feels good. Like that's some kind of noble cause or that's something good. Can I tell you, that's just stupid. You know, we need rules. We need boundaries. We need restriction. You, we need uh, 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 boundaries to make the current of our life go the right direction. Without self-control, we're, we're like a city with no walls. That the, the enemy can come to us from any direction. And can I tell you that when we discipline ourselves and we restrict ourselves, that it goes well for us. That is a sign of wisdom. That's the will of God for us. And so going back to the text, it says there, as obedient children, 
Don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in what? Ignorance. In other words, don't be stupid. And can I tell you that all the time that I see people's lives, I deal with counseling situations. I, I, I worked with teenagers for years. And, and whenever you follow just what you want to do and what feels good to you and you don't think about the circumstances, you don't think uh, about the consequences, you don't think about how it affects other people, it always ends up being a stupid decision. God's given you wisdom. He's given you boundaries. He's given you uh, people around your life to help you, guide you. He's given you a church. He's given you his word. He's given you an opportunity to uh, be in fellowship with other believers. And so you don't make stupid decisions and don't just do what you feel like doing. So it says don't conform to the pattern of this world. Conforms means shaped by. Don't don't be shaped, excuse me, by your evil desires. Don't let just following what feels good shape your life. That, that same word conformed is used in Romans 12 too. What a great scripture that is. Romans 12 too says, do not conform. Don't be shaped. Don't, you know, what I imagine is like, you know, taking Play-Doh and, and, in Play-Doh, you can shape it to the uh, form that you want. And it says, don't be conformed any longer by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, perfect and pleasing will when we follow our desires so many times our desires if they're not lining up with the word of god if they're not led by the spirit our desires will take us down the wrong path write it down if i haven't told you already we are to shape culture we are to affect culture and culture should not shape us that's the truth you know we're always so afraid that the world's rubbing off on us the world's rubbing off on us, but shouldn't we be rubbing off on the world? And that's what Jesus said. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You bring out the God flavors when you're walking in the spirit, when you're walking in obedience, when you're walking the way God wants you to be everywhere you go. You should bring out with your personality and your abilities and who God's made you. You're bringing out God qualities in other people. You're bringing out God qualities in the situations you encounter because we are to shape culture. Yet culture is often shaping us. I want you to turn to Leviticus chapter 19. Here's the last thing I want to talk to you. Um, uh, uh, talk to you about Leviticus 19 verse 2 says this. It says God said this over and over again. All through the Old Testament. And here's a great example of this. Leviticus 19, verse 2 says, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. If you go back and you start to look all through Scripture, you do a word search of that phrase. It's all through the Old Testament. And when he began to even, when the Lord gave the Ten Commandments, he told the people, Be holy, because I am holy. Verse 15, go to First Peter, back to our text in verse 15. It says this, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Here's the truth. Remember, as I opened the message, I talked about the fact that God's holiness, holiness isn't rules. It's not a denomination. Holiness isn't just a personality. Holiness is who God is. See, 
If you want a relationship with God, you cannot have a relationship with God if you don't choose to walk in holiness. Because you can't relate to him because that's who he is. Write it down. Here's the last point I want to make today. The depth of our relationship with God is connected to our holiness. <coughs> the depth of our relationship with God is connected to our holiness. You know, I think all of us love the concept of having a relationship with God. We, we do. I mean, even, even our American culture, we, we seem to all, everyone's defining how they talk to God. And they're defining how they relate to God. And even in this younger generation of people who are now in their 20s, uh, it's a spiritual generation. Not, not spiritual maybe in the sense that you're thinking, but uh, they're open to the things of God. Or, or they're open, uh, maybe, maybe a better thing, to all kind of mysticism and religion and even a lot of it mixing itself up. And, and uh, to have a relationship with God um, is somewhat accepted. The problem is everyone's defining who their God is. They're making the God into their own image. I tell you, there's only one way to know the God that we serve. That is to walk in holiness because that's who he is. And that's who he is. And when we walk in holiness, we're able to connect with him because that's the substance of who he is. And when we walk in holiness, there's just something about our prayer life that it just it goes quicker to the Father. We're, we're in connection with Him. We're in communication with Him. When we're walking in holiness, and then when the worship starts up, we enter right into His presence. When we're walking in holiness, we can open up the Scripture, and it might have seemed confusing, and we didn't understand it, and, and uh, seemed boring, and it put us to sleep. But when we're walking in holiness, and we're keeping our life pure, and we're able to relate to the substance of who God is, all of a sudden the word begins to become life to us and there's new understanding and there's new revelation and we're beginning to see things from a fresh slant in a new way, in a fresh way because when we walk in holiness we walk in what the substance of who God is and there's direct access to his throne and what he, now you say well this is impossible well I, I want you to think about Noah Noah lived at a time before the law was given. He was lived in a time before there was ever uh, a cloud uh, by a cloud by day and fire by night. He lived before the Holy Spirit was given out to the world and when you could only relate to God at certain times and go through certain procedures. Yet Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 says it this way. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. Here it was, Noah didn't have the advantages we had. He didn't have the revelation. He didn't have the understanding of who the Messiah was. He didn't have the Spirit of God that dwelled in him on a daily basis. Yet he was blameless in his generation among the people of his time. He walked with the Lord. Can I tell you that it's possible to walk in holiness? It's possible to walk blameless before the Lord. It's possible to set your compass on his ways and walk in the way that he has set before you. And you don't have to live with the excuse of, well, this is how everyone is. This is how the leaders are. This is how the preachers are. This is how everyone in my generation is. You can be blameless among your generation just like Noah was. And that's the standard God wants to lift up for you. That's the standard God wants to raise up for you and say that it is possible. Jesus said it himself in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. He said, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, 
And I love that about Jesus is that Jesus told us to be perfect, but then he didn't leave us without instruction. He told us how to do it. It's to walk in relationship with Him. He didn't leave us helpless either. He sent the Helper, the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It said the Comforter will come. He's going to put power upon you that I've called you to be perfect, but I haven't left you helpless. I've called you to be perfect, but I haven't left you confused. I've I've sent you the Teacher. I've sent you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit Himself, who will come and be your companion so you can live up to the standard that I have set for you. First John chapter three, verse three says it this way. It says everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. When we have that hope within us, we begin to purify ourselves and say, God, I want to walk in your ways, not in my ways, Lord. I want to be holy before you. I want to let you raise the standard in my life. Jonathan, I want you to come forth this time. And I want to invite our ushers this morning. We're going to go before the Lord in communion today. And I just believe that the Lord is opening a path. One of the things we pray today is, Lord, would you blind our eyes to the wrong pathways in our life? And would you open our eyes to the path you set before us? And God has set a path before you. Now, listen, before you think that, that uh, I'm some kind of self-righteous person and that, that none of this stuff affects me or touches me. Are you kidding me? Do you realize what the Lord, in preparing this message, you know, I'm like, Lord, wow. I mean, the Lord took these scriptures and just has dealt with me this week about that. And he said, Aaron, you know, there's some choices you, you there's some changes you need to make. There's some choices you need to make to walk out these scriptures that I've set before you. God has called us. Can I tell you this? Here's, here's, here is why I want, I'm calling you to be holy as your pastor. I'm echoing the call of God. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just being a, a vessel. God's already called you, but, but it, through, through his leadership in me today, I believe he's, he's calling forth through my voice to you a call to holiness. And here's the reason why we're not holy because we have to. We don't have to be holy. We're not holy because we're scared if we're not. We're not holy because we're trying to earn heaven because we can't do that. We're not holy because we want some kind of earthly identity. If this is who we are, this is the type of person we're out. Those are all motivations that will be short-lived. We pursue holiness because we want him. We want to know him. And without holiness, no one will see God. No one will see God without holiness. You know, some of you want a touch from God in your life. Some of you want things fresh in your life. You want a fresh move of the Lord, and you're searching for it in the wrong places. You're searching for it through um, uh, all types of techniques. You're searching for it through other avenues. Maybe even you're searching for it through the past. Can I tell you that the pathway to power is holiness. The pathway to renewal is holiness. The pathway to a new work from God is holiness. He set the path before you, and He said you don't have to wait any longer. You just have to step forward. Some of us were waiting always. We're waiting. God, when are you going to do something new? When are you going to show yourself again? Can I tell you, he's already showed himself. He said, this is the way I've chosen for you. And I've laid out a path before you. And if you walk in my holiness and walk in my ways and you go the direction I've set, it will go good for you. And every step you take, it'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's what he wants to do with us today. Let's pray. Father, we have heard your call. And Lord, help us to answer yes this day. Father, let us say no to the things, Lord, that contaminate the spirit, soul, and body. Father, Lord, uh, I just 
pray, Lord, that we'd be courageous people. Can I say that some of you are fearful of holiness because you think holiness is going to make you look um, uh, unappealing to the world? Can I tell you that when the presence of God comes upon you, there'll be an attraction upon you that'll be supernatural. You'll begin to attract people to Jesus that you should no longer fear that holiness is going to make you weird or strange or, or different because God will change your desires and His presence will come upon you. And when His presence is upon you, it will draw men and women unto you. Because when Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Yeah, you don't have to labor and, and try to position yourself and say, I'm going to try to just be the bridge. I'm going to try to bridge the world with Jesus. Can I tell you that you're not called to be the bridge? There's already a bridge called the cross. And the cross has connected man with God. And God's saying unto you, you walk down the path I've set before you. And do not fear my holiness. Do not fear my purity, for it will go well with you. Amen, Lord. We believe that and we receive that. Father, I ask, Lord, that you touch our hearts today. Some of you need to make things right with God today. Sing hallelujah.